0: Thank you so much. It's been such a great morning, um, that beautiful worship. And I've had the blessing, the privilege of hearing it twice. And I could hear it a few more times, but anyway. But um, thank you for this week and for the ministry moments that I've been able to have with you in different groups and in different ages and sharing my heart. And I pray that now that I've been here a week, that maybe Spain will be a little bit more in your hearts and a lot more in your prayers. So thank you for this week. Um, I want you to look at the bulletin that you have, but the the Martinez family bulletin. Just a minute, I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, My husband and I came home on home assignment. Our home assignment is six months. We arrived January 3rd, and each of us have had to go on our tours January 15th. So we had to kind of pull something out of our hat about our family. And uh, so I just need to update a few things here. You can read about our ministry on the back, and you see a picture of Spain. um, Where it says 30 years of missionary service, obviously now that's 32, almost 33. It's one of the differences. There where you see Sonia with her three little girls, well, they now have another one. So now she has four little girls. Um, And then where you see Mark, Down there, he's a Spanish specialist for the U.S. Army in intelligence. And um, it says he is still single, waiting for the right girl to come along. Anyone interested? Well, scratch it. Uh, God has brought the right girl into his life. So you can just scratch that part off. Actually, right now, he's deployed um, somewhere in South America. And Lord willing, they will be getting married in October. And then when you see David, that good looking guy with that beautiful bride, now his bride of three years, they're actually here this morning. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, David and Suzanne and they're expecting their first child now. Um, you know, I never I'm never really sure where my kids are going to travel to or from or when they're gonna show up. And uh they like their surprises and so my son David and Susanna surprised me yesterday and so they're here and I want them to stand up with all of my family that's there see I have family in this area all of you stand up come on the rest of you up, up, up <laughs> this is um... you know I am... I, um, yeah they're expecting a little girl in July Another little girl. I have. I have. I will have then. What seven grand? This is oh, oh, oh four, five, six granddaughters, and one grandson. Um, but um, but I'm I'm thankful for my family. You know, the rest of them that sit up, they all live in the area, and because uh, this is where I actually grew up, so they have watched me grow up and have cared for me down through the years, and it's really special to have. You know, real family around. I mean, everybody's family. And as I travel around on tour and and live in different places, you know, you get to appreciate people as family. But then you get real family, you know. And that's been special for me this week to have uh, to have time with them. And uh, to I just appreciate their support of us. And they're always loving us and carrying us through. And I woke up this morning, and looked out the window, and I go, Oh, no, it's snowing! You know, and, and we were out in East Springfield. I go, Gene, are we going to make it? And they go, Oh, yeah, this is nothing. Yeah. See, I've been gone away from here too long. It looked like a lot of snow to me. But uh, we made it, and everybody else made it, and I'm really glad that they're here with me this morning. But anyway, you have this to be able to read about our ministry, see the the map of Spain, pray for Spain, pray for our ministry, and pray for our kids, now having kids of their own. Uh, Pray for them as they um, are in ministries and in their respective jobs. Pray that they will continue to walk close to the Lord in a world that does not promote that. (laughs) Have you noticed? Um, and so we were always praying for our kids. You know, you can never pray, never stop praying for your kids. So pray for them. That's why we made that for you. Um, I want to share, well, there's a verse in John that, that is close to my heart that says, um, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that does bring me great joy. But I want to read two verses before as I start from Ephesians. If you want to look those up, you can. If not, you can just listen. Ephesians 3, verses 7 and 8. And these are two verses that we have adapted to, because we feel that they kind of describe how we see ourselves. Ephesians 3, 7 and 8. We became servants of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given us through the working of his power. And although we are less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given us to preach to the Spaniards the unsearchable riches of Christ. And we've been doing that now 32 years, almost 33. But our exposure to Spain started just a little bit before that. We were at Columbia International University, and they were putting together a team to go on a summer missions trip to Spain. And they were looking for five people that spoke Spanish, and they had four. One of them was my husband. And so they were struggling with the fifth one because it would probably have to be me, you see, because I was attached to my husband. But they didn't want me to go on this team because I didn't speak Spanish. But they didn't have a choice. So I went along on this team. We got everything together. We flew into Paris, took a train straight down to France, got to the Pyrenees border there that separates the Pyrenees Mountains, that separates the two countries, changed trains, began to cross over the beautiful mountains. And we were having fun, you know, being the young people that we were. We were saying things like, oh, man, suffering for Jesus. You know, we can handle this. Well, as we came down to um, our destination, got off the train, we were astounded because the beauty was gone. The beauty was gone. We found ourselves in the middle of a polluted, contaminated, dark, grimy, ugly city, almost black from the contamination. And a pastor was there waiting to pick us up, and he took us to the apartment where we were going to be living for two months. A tiny, little, grim, dim, dark place. And because my husband and I were the married couple, we got the best room. Which was just a little room off the little living room with kind of two sliding doors that would separate the two. And it had two cots in it. That was the best room. Now, we quickly learned several things about this place. First of all, we learned that you couldn't eat the food just anywhere Or drank the water just anywhere. Because we did. And we became deathly sick. And I can remember lining up in front of the little bathroom there. The one bathroom. And one of us would go in and throw up. Flush the toilet. And come back out and get in line again. See, we were so sick. My husband was the worst. Got a bad case of worms. Lost like 25 pounds. Now, I was sick, but I was the least sick. And I discovered later how God had taken care of me because I was pregnant with our first child, and I didn't even know it at the time. But God took care of that little baby. Well, then we learned some other things about this place. We learned that it was also considered by the Spaniards to be the ugliest spot in the whole country. It was a polluted area, contaminated area. It was also a port city. And it was called the junkyard of Europe. Because all the ships and the boats that no longer function, they just dropped them off right there at this port. It was called the dump. So it gives you an idea of what this place looked like. Then we also discovered that this was the headquarters of the terrorist group that was in Spain that still is today. This is where they did all their planning. This is where they made all their bombs before they went out into the rest of the country. And I can remember that there were men with machine guns on every single corner. And the policemen were trying to, to catch the terrorists, and the terrorists were trying to kill the policemen. And I was trying to stay out of their crossfire. This place was awful. And the missionary that we were going to be with that summer said, look, he says, we're going to go up today. We're going to go to another area. He said, we're going to go around the curve. He said, there's always a roadblock at this place. And he said, I need you to do me a favor. He said, when we go around here and we come up to this roadblock, they will come to the windows with their machine guns and they'll stick them into the windows. He said, do me a favor. Keep your hands up where they can see them. Because if you don't, they will shoot into the car and they're going to kill all of us. And I thought to myself, no problem. I'll keep my hands up all summer. And we came to this roadblock and they came to the windows with their machine guns. We kept our hands up. They had just shot a German woman right before we had gotten there. Well, now we learned some more things about this place. The missionary gave us some more information. He said, you see... We're still under a dictatorship. Franco is still ruling. There's very little religious freedom. Some of the evangelicals have been killed. Some were in prison. Others have fled. Most of the missionaries have gone. Some have been kicked out. Others have just left. Some have been allowed to stay. There are still some here. But he said there's very little religious freedom. He said many of the churches, the big churches, any church this size, been closed down the little groups have been allowed to stay open you know a group of maybe five ten twenty people franco had allowed them to stay open you know i think franco thought you know those little groups five ten fifteen people they're going to give up they're going to grow discouraged and they'll just kind of disappear all on their own i'm not even worried about them You know, if you look at history, dictators have the tendency to underestimate the power of God, don't they? And Franco was no different. Well, then the missionary said, he said, this is what we're going to do this summer. He said, I have some literature prepared with a gospel message on it. He said, we're not allowed to hand it out. But he said, this is what we're going to do. We'll go to parks. We'll kind of divide up. And we'll sit on a park bench. You sit there for a few minutes, and then when you get up, you just leave it on the bench. And we'll pray that someone will come along and want to read it. He said, as you go along, if you see that one at the bottom, the main door of one of these high-rise apartment buildings is open, go in and stuff mailboxes, but just don't get caught. Because if you get caught, they'll either shoot you, or they'll take you to prison, or they'll just kick you out of the country. Just don't get caught. And then he said, every couple days, he said, we're going to go to a meeting place that I've been allowed to rent. Just a small, tiny place on a dark street where probably nobody's going to go anyway. He said, on the literature, I'd put the number of this door front. Couldn't put anything else, just the name of the street and the number. And he said, every couple days, we'll go there and we'll wait to see if anybody's going to come. And so one of the first times that we were there, he said, oh, I forgot to tell you something else. And I thought to myself, you know, can it really get any worse than this? He said, we're only allowed to have up to 20 people in this room at the same time. Not that 20 people will ever come. But he said, we have to be careful because sometimes they filter people in just to see if we're going to obey the law. So he said, what we're going to do, he said, you guys stand in the back. And he said, We'll count. If we get close to twenty people. One of you just go out and take a walk. And that'll leave room for one more to possibly come in. And he looked at me and he said, Nancy, he says, You don't speak you don't speak Spanish. He said, You stand in the back and you count. And if we get close to twenty, you'll be the first one to go out there and take a walk around the block. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I really don't want to go out and take a walk around the block because there's men out there with machine guns. I don't even want to be in this place. And, you know, night after night, I'd go back to my little cot. And I'd cry myself to sleep. And I'd cry and i cry and i cry. And I'd say, you know what? I'm going to die in this country. I'm going to die here. And I don't want to die in this country. And night after night, I cried and I complained to my poor sick husband. And I say, you know, I'm going to go out there someday and I'm going to get shot. I'm going to get caught in that crossfire. And if they don't kill me, the food and the water surely will. And if that doesn't do it, I'm going to go out there someday and this heavy smog that hangs over this ugly place is going to swallow me up and you'll never see me again. Now, how would you like to listen to that all summer? My husband did. Well, about halfway through, I had a bright idea. You see, because I'm a smart person. And in one of those nights, crying myself to sleep on my cot, I decided I'd make a promise to God. And through my tears, I said, You know, God, you just get me out of this country. And I'll love you forever. I promise. Now, you see, that sounded so good to me. I was so sincere. Well, a couple weeks went by. Things got worse before they got better. And another one of my moments... I thought, you know, what if that promise isn't good enough? Maybe I better take it a step further. And through my tears, I said, you know, God, you just get me out of this country. And I'll go wherever you want me to go. And I'll serve you wherever you want me to serve you. I promise. Now, you have to understand something. Spain was not on my agenda. As I lay there making that promise to God, I had visions of Switzerland. And I can remember thinking of the blue sky. This place didn't have a blue sky. And I pictured, you know, the the Alps, the beautiful white Alps and the green valleys. And I thought, you know, surely you can drink the water and eat the food in that place without getting so sick. And I kind of pictured myself like Heidi. You know, I skipped through the Alps telling everybody about Jesus. You see, that, that was on my agenda. Well, we made it through that awful summer, the worst summer of my life. Got back here to America, so happy to be back here. I started teaching, I was a teacher. My pregnancy was going great. My husband was finishing his studies, still very, very sick. But you see, something had happened to me. And night after night, as I went to sleep, as I drifted off to sleep, or during a, during a dream, all I could see were Spaniards. And I'd wake up in the morning and, and i think, what did I dream about? And all I could see were these long, sad faces. Lonely people, people with no hope and no one to tell them about Jesus. And so much darkness in this country. And night after night, I'd have these dreams, I'd have this vision. Well, after a couple months of that, the Lord put my heart and spoke to me. And he said, Nancy, who's going to go? Who's going to tell them about me? They have no hope. They have no future. And I said, "You know, guess what, God? It's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. Then they've done that. It's not going to be me. Well, time went on, a few more months went on, it's the same thing. And all I could see were sad faces and darkness and people with no hope, and there was no one to tell them. In another one of those moments, God spoke to my heart. He said, Nancy, who's going to go? Who's going to tell them about me? They need to hear. They need to know. And I said, guess what, God? It's going to be me. It's going to be us. You know what? For the first time in a long time... Joy flooded my soul and peace filled my heart because I'd surrendered to what God wanted me to do. And you know what? If you're there and you haven't done that, don't put it off. Don't waste time. I did. When I had a problem, you see, I, I didn't want to tell my husband because he's still so sick with worms. We didn't talk about Spain. Spain had not been a good experience. And so I waited. Well, then I found out later that God had been saying the same thing to him. He was seeing the same thing. And God was saying the same thing to his heart. But you see, he didn't tell me. Because I was pregnant with our first child. And he wanted it to be a happy experience. We didn't talk about Spain. Spain had not been a happy experience. When our beautiful daughter was born, my husband got well. And he sat down with me and he said, honey, he said, I have something on my heart that I've got to share with you. We sat down and he said, you know, he said, God is calling us back to Spain. And I broke down and I wept. And I cried and I cried. And he came over to me and he hugged me. He said, oh honey, look at it this way. It can't be any worse than it's already been. And I said, I'm not crying because of that. I'm crying because I want to go back. Because God had been telling me the same thing. Two years later, we were back. Been back there ever since. And I've loved it. You know, it's interesting how God changes our hearts, isn't it? When we're willing. Because you see, now, now... I am willing to die there. See, I am willing to die there because I want to give my life for those people. Now, as you can imagine, the changes that we have seen in this country since 1978 have been astonishing. We've seen it go from a dictatorship to a democracy, from political bondage to political freedom. And yet this freedom has not brought about the so desired in gathering of Spaniards to Christ. Spain prides itself on being a religious country. And yet based on a survey that was taken of 19 nations, Spain was voted the most sinful. Isn't that interesting? A religious country and yet voted the most sinful. These are just a few of the reasons Why? More cocaine is used in Spain than in any other country around the world, and that includes America. One of every two pregnancies of teenage girls ends in abortion. One of every five divorces in Spain happens during the first five years of marriage. Spain is the leading country for divorce and abortion in the European Union. Gambling, as well as alcohol, is a common problem in most homes and families. 5,000 children are trapped in the net of prostitution in Spain. Nearly half of them are under 12 years old. Listen to that one again. 5,000 children are trapped in the net of prostitution. Nearly half of them are under 12 years old. And it goes on. A religious country, and yet the most sinful. And you know, that's a reminder to all of us that religion doesn't change a person. Only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ can do that. Because it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. Spain continues to be a spiritually needy land. And yet it's so disguised by tradition and religion. And our desire and purpose in being in Spain is to challenge the Spaniards to take their knowledge of God and turn it into a relationship with God. You know, that's a process. It takes a lot of time. It's a process for them. It takes a lot of time and a lot of prayer and a lot of hard work. Hudson Taylor once said this, There are three stages in the work of God. Three stages in the work of God. Impossible, difficult, and done. I like that. Three stages in the work of God. Impossible, difficult, and done. Well, we've seen the work in Spain go from impossible to difficult and so we are encouraged. We are encouraged. But the work isn't done yet. It's far from being done because there are still many more people who need to know that Christ came to give life instead of mere existence joy instead of circumstantial happiness peace instead of frustration and worry forgiveness instead of guilt and wholeness instead of empty broken lives reach out Reach out and touch someone, wherever you live, whatever you do, with this message, with his message of life, joy, peace, forgiveness, and wholeness. You know, not everyone can cross the ocean to go to another country. Not everyone can cross the ocean, but you know what? We can all cross the street, can't we? We can all cross the street. And you know, God doesn't expect you or me to share with everyone. But He does expect us to share with someone. And that someone can make a big difference in the world for God. Challenges before us. For us, it's in Spain. For you, it's right here in America. But for all of us, as Steve Green's song says, to love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission, the spring from which our service overflows. Across the street, or around the world, the mission's still the same. Proclaim and live the truth in Jesus' name. We need to center our lives on the quality of our walk with God, the spring from which our service overflows. And you know, your service right here, your portion, is an important part of the whole that God is doing all around the world. I want to close with this thought. It says there are three kinds of people in the world. Now you listen to it, and then you decide where you fit in. There are three kinds of people in the world. There are people who make things happen there are people who watch things happen. And then there are people who wonder what has happened. Three kinds of people in the world. There are people who make things happen. There are people who watch things happen. And then there are people who wonder what has happened. Folks, let's be people who make things happen for God who make things happen for God. And may the cross, may the cross always be our glory and the Lord always be our song.